Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday morning service, the second of this uh, new year. A particularly warm welcome to you if you are a visitor or a newcomer here for the first time. Um, it'd be great to get to know you over a cup of coffee after the, uh, the service. How have you found, if you've been taking part in the week of prayer, a great encouragement? And it would have inspired you to get into a regular pattern of, uh, of prayer at the start of, of this new year. Do please continue to use the prayer schedules in whatever way you, you may find those helpful. We had a great day of prayer yesterday uh, morning, which culminated in a session of worship and testimony, in which we gave thanks to God for the ways in which he has been at work. We've seen him at work in the lives of people, bringing them to faith, helping them to grow in their faith and sustaining them in their faith through different trials of this past year. I've got another chance to pray this evening at six o'clock prayer and praise service here in the building. So do please come along for that. But let's commit this service to the Lord now in prayer as we start this pray. Father God, we thank you for the The privilege it is to be able to meet with you this morning, to give you the praise you deserve, to hear you speak to us through your word, to experience the the blessing of your comfort and strength, to encourage and be encouraged by your people. For those who do not yet know you, we pray you would make yourself known to them this morning by the power of your spirit. And for those of us who already know you, may you enable us to know you more deeply as the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And may you help us grow in our love for you and in our faith in you. So be gracious to us and bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our children are about to go out, so just for... One minute, will you turn to the people next to you and just pray for our children that they will know more of God's faithfulness, more of his mercy, that they would indeed grow to love him more and be ready to serve him more after this morning. So just turn to the next person one minute. So as you finish your prayers, isn't it wonderful, children? You're going to go out with prayerfulness as you go. So do do go out, those of you who are going to be with your leaders this morning, your teachers this morning. And while they do that, um, I'm going to invite Jeff to come up. He's going to do our reading, and then Colin is going to bring um, the word to us this morning. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, and good morning. And... uh... Belated Happy New Year's. This is our first Sunday of the New Year to be with you. We're looking at Romans chapter 12, please. And uh, it's the first eight verses. I think you have the reference there, as well as your mobile phones. And I hope you keep them on silent. It's not like it happened to me a long time ago. It's rather embarrassing. You will see that uh, it begins with this uh, link word. Uh, This connecting word. Can I just make uh, one suggestion? When you see the word, particularly in Paul's letters, therefore, just pause and ask yourself this well-known question. Well, what is it, therefore? And you will see there is a very important link. Let's illustrate it by the conclusion of chapter 11 under this heading, the doxology. And then you make the connection, therefore. Okay? (coughs) So, 
Romans 11:33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Therefore, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather... Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. if you, uh, if you haven't got one and you'd like one, there's a little uh, handout just at the table there. Uh, don't feel embarrassed to pop it and get one if you find that helpful. But if not, no problem at all. Uh, let me pray as we come to God's word together. Heavenly Father, as we think of your, of your amazing love and mercy, may we truly be transformed by it. We pray that we wouldn't just be people who listen and hear, but there are people who listen and do, that we would apply the truths of your word to our lives, that we might shine for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's a a new year and a new start for many people. Whether you set New Year's resolutions or not, many people will at least look forward with a new sense of purpose, a new ambition for life for the year ahead. 
a hope of maybe setting some, some small goals, some small ambitions, or for others, they might be far greater. Like maybe, for example, if you're applying for the position of the U.S. House of Representatives, you might get it on the 15th try. Or maybe if you're seeking privacy and a healthy family relationship, signing a million-dollar book deal in a Netflix tell-all series might not be the best way of doing that. For some, though, the the old classic of uh, losing weight might be a goal that you set for the year. Uh, maybe it's a goal to uh, to have a an ambition in retirement. For others, it might be just to to break habits, to break bad habits, perhaps of using social media too much or playing on your phone too much. Uh, sometimes people find uh, little hints and tips online, uh, commonly known as uh, life hacks. These are things which improve our lives in small ways. Uh, things that we we find online that would make our lives better or easier. And whilst it's good to to set goals and have ambitions, uh, to make positive changes in your life, God isn't really solely concerned about moral improvement. He is concerned about life transformation. That God would transform your life. And our verse for the year, as we think about that for this coming year, it tries to to capture uh, the joy of what it is to to walk with the Lord, uh, as it says in in Romans 15, uh, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It really is that we would we would hope to live lives like this, that we would have joy and peace and hope overflowing in our lives by the power of God at work in us. That he would transform us, that he would change us. And as Jeff mentioned earlier there, there is that word, therefore, at the very beginning of this chapter. The word, therefore, which connects all that has gone all the way throughout the letter to the Romans from chapter 1 to 11. Because as Paul arrives at chapter 12, the big thought in his mind is that God's mercy transforms us. God's mercy transforms us. As we heard last week, we are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation for all who believe, for everyone. And throughout the book of Romans, we we see something of the the darkness and the depravity of the human heart. And that is contrasted with the power of God to save and to change us. As God's law throughout Romans, it speaks about how God's law, it shows how we fall short. It shows how we do not match up to God's perfect, holy standard. That none of us are righteous before God. That none of us deserve to be loved by God. We all deserve a a just penalty. We deserve justice from the Lord. That is his wrath because we have rebelled against him. We've rejected him and said no to him. And yet throughout the book of Romans, we see that, that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not justly punish us as he should but rather only as a result of God's sovereign grace does he have mercy upon us. What we deserve is God's perfect justice, but what we receive is his perfect mercy. As God delights 
to show mercy. And as we look to Jesus, we see that in full technicolor. As the righteous one, the perfect one, the sinless one, the one chosen by God, he received the full justice of God upon the cross. He took the wrath of God upon himself that our sins deserve, that we would not receive what we deserve, that is the justice of God, but we would receive his mercy, his grace and his mercy. As it is in the amazing grace and mercy of God that he transforms us. He transforms us to live a new life. As Paul says from verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In light of God's mercy, we are to to give our bodies to God. And that is what Paul describes as an act of worship. Earlier in chapter 1, we see the, the contrast, the contrast of those who suppress the truth about God and instead they give themselves over, not to God, but to sin. Paul says that as God's elect, we are, we are instead to present our bodies, present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is our true and proper worship. Because as those who have received mercy, we don't live as we once did. No, we now live a new life. The old has gone and the new has come. We live a life devoted to God. The challenge is that that as you look around and you talk to people, this is so countercultural. It seems crazy to not follow people's ideas about about sex, about sexuality, gender, and even relationships in general. It makes you feel like you are an alien. It reminds me really of a, of a time uh, at a rugby club where I had a, a conversation with an older gentleman. And he approached me and he said, do you know what your problem is, Colin? And I thought, no, but you're going to tell me. <laughs> he, said, um, he said, you know, if you look at these double doors here, don't, don't be going too far to the left or too far to the right. Instead, just walk through the middle. Walk through the middle of the doors. Don't be taking this Christian thing too seriously. Because the pressure really is to do that, to not take our faith too seriously and to just follow what everyone else does, to do what everyone else does. And which means really as Christians, we do have decisions to make. Perhaps maybe you've had the experience where you've started watching a movie or a TV show with someone and you've turned to them and said, should we be watching this? Should we continue to watch this? Or maybe for you, living a holy life, it means not going to certain places. It might mean to not speak to certain people. It might mean to put restrictions on how you use your phone or how you use your laptop. Whatever God is calling you to do, to live for him, to be devoted to him, do it. Act upon it. If the Lord is pressing that on you, 
then respond to him. And we don't live a life, a different life, because we want to try and somehow make our way to God and and please him in some way. No, God is pleased with us in Jesus. And therefore, we live a new life. And because we have a new life, we think differently. We think differently. As Paul says in verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. As one commentator says, human beings are, are transformed as their thinking is altered. And that's because a renewed mind should lead to a renewed life. A renewed mind should lead to a renewed life. That's why as we begin the new year, uh, Neil is leading the conference in reading the Bible sessions on four consecutive Thursdays uh, at 7.45 this Thursday. If you missed last week's, then please do come along uh, this week. We want to be able to equip you, to help you, to, to read the Bible for yourself, that the Lord would change you, that he would truly renew your mind through it. As the word uh, repentance, it it literally means a change of mind. To repent is to change your mind. And it's a, a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of action. A change of mind, change of heart, a change of action. It's through a new way of thinking that, that we begin to live a new life, a new way. It means that as believers, we want to be students, students of God's word and students of good Christian books as well, that our conversations with people would be informed by, by the things of God, not by what people say, not by what our family says, not by what we think or our culture says, but what God says. And as a result, therefore, we'll be able to test what is good. We'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for our lives. Once our lives are, are saturated in God's word, then we will be able to make wiser decisions about what we should do in life. It also brings a, a sense of freedom to us, a sense of freedom in the decisions that we make, because if we are following God's word, then we are in God's will. If we are, if we are going closer to Jesus, then we're in God's will. If we are going away from Jesus, then we are not in God's will. It gives us a a real sense of freedom from the the burdens of, have I made the right decision? Well, does it honor Jesus is a big question to ask. Because as our hearts are shaped by the Lord, then he will transform us. He'll transform us to live a new life, and he'll transform us to live a humble life. A humble life. As Paul says in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Above all people, Paul must have been surely tempted to to be proud in his life. He was the apostle Paul. He was the one who had seen the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was the one who was given authority to write scripture. He has written most of the New Testament that we have today. But he says, even as his apostleship is a gift 
of grace. And therefore his point is, he shouldn't nor we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, but instead lead a life of humility. It's really human, it's human nature to, to think of ourselves more highly than perhaps we ought to, to give ourselves a higher mark. It's a bit like when you, when you give uh, children their own homework to mark, uh, Often the marks are more like that of the, the final of Strictly Come Dancing, of ten, ten, nine, ten. People do, in a sense, we have really quite a high view of ourselves. But sometimes our, our pride can display itself in maybe more subtle ways. As we, we don't go down the, the obvious arrogance route, but perhaps down the, the self-pity route and tell ourselves, well, we're, we're no good at anything perhaps secretly wishing that that others would pay as a compliment. But Paul says, don't think of yourself too highly, either in obvious arrogance or in subtle self-pity. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment, mindful of your own sin, but mindful of God's mercy to you. As all that you've received, even your faith, is by grace. As Paul says in verse 4, For just as each one, of, uh, each one of us has one body with many members, and these members uh, do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We're called to live a humble life as we belong to one another, as a body. We don't just live as individuals, but rather we live as God's people, united together in the Lord Jesus. It's our unity in Jesus that allows us to be united together as one body with many parts. As in the church of Jesus Christ, we, we see that sense of unity in diversity. As we may have hobbies and interests with our other people, we may have things that we share, common interests with others. But the unity that we share as believers, as those following Jesus, is so intimate. Because we share the things of the Lord together. As the gospel unites us to Jesus and his church, his body. And that's why, in a sense, membership here at LCBC is so important. It is a a part of life, if you like. That we are saying, I belong to you and, and you belong to me. That I love you and you love me. I want to serve you and you want to serve me. That we're all part of the body of Jesus together. And as we seek to encourage one another, we want to do that in love. We want to serve one another in love. Because God's mercy transforms us to lead, should transform us to lead a new life, a humble life, and thirdly, a servant-hearted life. Later in the service, we're going to take a moment just to recommission and pray for our, our ministry leaders, for those who, who serve in various ways, in different ways throughout the church. And we do that because God gives us gifts uh, that we might be able to to serve others. Or we could even describe them as different gifts of grace to serve others. As Paul says uh, from verse 6 to 8, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
The gifts we have are, are shown differently in different people. Different gifts that we would be able to, to bless others. And these gifts, they are not our gifts. They're, they're God's gifts, graciously given to us by the Holy Spirit. Uh, one commentator, Tom Schreiner, he says, gifts are a manifestation of God's grace. Not because people are more special than others, but all that we have is of God's grace to strengthen the church. Because all the gifts that we have are grace-given gifts. All of these things are given to us by God. And it's for that reason that we can, we can stay humble. As in all that we have is all from God. All is grace. A friend of mine, he, he told me about a big promotion that he had uh, and the, the big pay rise that came along with it. And you can imagine him, it would be very easy to say, well, I've done really well, I've worked really hard, I kind of deserve this. But he didn't say that. He said to me, it's amazing, isn't it? I'm, I'm really nothing special, but this is a gift of grace. It's God's grace in my life. That is truly amazing. And not only does, does God not treat us as our sins deserve, but he displays his amazing mercy to us in such a way that he gives us gifts to use to serve others. The first gift Paul mentions is prophecy. One commentator, Kent Hughes, he says, this gift is sometimes predictive, but not normally, necessarily, or primarily. This gift is normally the communication of revealed truth, that is to say, bringing God's word to bear in specific situations that convicts and builds up its hearers. For example, it might be that as you share what's going on in your life, that someone just has the perfect word that just fits perfectly into your life, that you would be able to serve them by that. That really would be a true gift of grace. And then Paul goes on to say, if you've been given the the gift of service, give yourself to it wholly, wholeheartedly. In other words, if God gives you a gift and an opportunity to serve, do it. Go for it. It could be in practical ways, in administration, in tech, in various things, in music, in prayer, whatever it might be to serve. If he gives you a gift, use it. If you're gifted in teaching in whatever place the Lord has placed you, whether that's at home in your family, if it's in youth work, if it's a home group, if it's at contact or spectrum or connect on Tuesday mornings, then give yourself wholly to that. Serve with all your heart. If your gift is encouragement, then you might look to encourage others through different means. That might be helping and serving on Friday cafe. It might be coming alongside uh, mums and dads at toy box and baby box throughout the week. Or maybe dads and tots once a month as you seek to serve and encourage others. If God gives you a gift of generosity, then give with your whole heart. Give of yourself. Give of your money, your time, your talents. Give all that you have from your heart. If God gives you gifts in leadership, either in the home as a husband or a father or as a supervisor, maybe a boss, a teacher, a leader, whatever you might be, then he has given you that gift to be able to shine for him, to bring glory to him. 
Maybe he's given you a heart of mercy to show mercy to others. Perhaps you could use that as you think about uh, ministry to the elderly. Uh, We minister to to Meadowcroft, to the care home, once a month. Maybe you could get involved in that. Or perhaps foster children, adopt children, serve widows, uh, serve single parents, or, or people seeking even asylum. Or serve those who might even appreciate just a phone call, a phone call or a card, something of an encouragement, that you would do that cheerfully. Because wonderfully, we all have gifts. We all have gifts, each one of us. God has given us gifts of grace, not to display how wonderful we are, but to display how wonderful Jesus is in our lives. To point to God's amazing love for us in the Lord Jesus. That we are sold out for him. That all that we are is given over to him in worship. I don't know if many of you have read the the recent Advent devotional. Uh, In it, uh, Sinclair, he speaks of uh, love coming down at Christmas and, and what it means to love others in relation to our gifts. As he says, whatever gifts you may have, love always means that you come down. It means that you use those gifts for the good of others, not to make yourself feel good. It means that you are willing to do things that are uncomfortable, that that are inconvenient, or that go unnoticed. As he says, quoting uh, 1 Corinthians 13, For if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If so, I am not like Jesus. And ultimately, love is being like Jesus. It silences all noisy gongs, clanging cymbals, and self-amplification systems. As he says, real love always comes down. Because friends, that is what the Lord Jesus did for us. In love, he came down to save us. In mercy, he came down to save us. Because all that we have is a gift of grace. All that we have is a gift of his mercy from the hand of God. A gift to us through Jesus. So how can we possibly boast? The only thing we can do is bow down and give ourselves wholeheartedly in worship to the Lord. Let me leave you with this question of what that might look like. What what might it look like for you to put Jesus first in your life, to live wholeheartedly for him? Maybe a question at the end to, to, to ask one another to reflect. Maybe it's in how you think and how you live or in how you serve. Let me pray. Father God, we are amazed that you are rich mercy to us in the Lord Jesus, that you have given us a new life, that we have a transformed mind. Help us, Lord, to renew our minds, that we would live for your pleasure and glory. Help us to walk in humility with one another, acknowledging our faults, our sins, and mindful of your grace to us. Help us to lead a a life of service to you, that we would be hidden and that you would be lifted up, that we would do all these things in light of your goodness, your mercy, and your love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
what if God has uh, spoken to you this morning, um, maybe it's to challenge you about what it means to follow Christ, um, do come and have a word with uh, myself or Colin or Saab afterwards, maybe he's spoken to you about becoming a member of the church or looking for ways in which you can serve, uh, whatever it might be, come and have a word with us and uh, do look for somebody to pray with afterwards, maybe sitting next to you or one of the member, members of the ministry prayer team with the red lanyards on. Um, but let's close now in prayer. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen.